Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at Ganalfglands.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Forty. This is episode number 146, and we're doing something fun today. I have a guest, and we are recording live on the lab. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Wardy. Hey, everybody. This is going to be so fun. So I've got a couple housekeeping notes before we dive into picking Melissa's brain about living from scratch, a life made from scratch. Uh, first of all, welcome to all of you who are joining us live today on Blab. This is going to be really fun. We are actually doing a live recording of uh, Know Your Food with Warty podcast that will air Next week, the 22nd, I believe, Friday, January 22nd, on Know Your Food with Warty um, podcast. And so all the show notes, everything that we're talking about today, we're going to be mentioning links and things. So the show notes are going to be a documentation of that. That's not available yet today if you're here with us live, but it will be when this podcast airs on iTunes and YouTube next week. So for those of you who are tuning in later, the show notes are ready for you at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 146. Again, it's not up yet for our live viewers, but I'm going to ask a favor for those of you who are with us live, and I'll do it as well, because if you're here with us live on Blab, you see in the right column, there's a place to leave your comments. So anytime we mention a link, if you could help us out by typing it in there for everybody else, and I'll try to do it as well. Um, Additionally, if you're here with us live, you're seeing me on the screen and Melissa on the screen, and there's a little, there's two hands right together with the thumbs together like this in the bottom corner of each of our profiles. And that is how you can give us applause. And we love it. Right, Melissa? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah so I know that today you're going to see, you're going to hear a lot of applause worthy um, tips and inspiration. You're going to get a lot of that from Melissa. So just be liberal with the applause because it's like sharing love and we're all about, um, enjoying each other's company today and fellowship and just talking about these things that really mean a lot to us. So yes, I see, I think that's, is that uh, Lisa or who am I? Yeah, it is Lisa. Lisa's being liberal with the applause. Thank you so much, Lisa. So please do that. And there's a little count by the um, hands. Uh, The other thing about Blab is if you're here with us live on the right are comments, feel free to leave comments. Um, it's you just start typing in the send a message box. If you want to submit a question to Melissa and I, because we're going to take them at the end and we'll also take them if they're appropriate while we're covering the content, you type a little Q and a slash. And that will turn, I think, like a little slash. Sorry, you're right. Okay. Slash Q. And then that will, instead of putting your comment in the uh, chat, it'll send it over to the left side of our screen where we will have questions we can answer. Okay. And like I said, if it's appropriate to what we're talking about, we may interrupt and cover it. Otherwise, we'll save it for the end. So uh, this is going to be fantastic. I want to start, Melissa, just by introducing you a little bit. Sure. Melissa, this is Melissa K. Norris, and she's a friend. We actually got to see each other in person a month or two. 
two ago because uh, she was headed south and I drove up, my husband and I drove a little north so we could get together for tea slash coffee and it was great to see her in person. She is a writer for Traditional Cooking School in the past. She's shared wonderful canning recipes and gardening articles. She's also been a guest teacher at Traditional Cooking School for our premium members in the Cooking Outside eCourse. She's shared about cooking out, smoking outside with a smoker and cooking over a direct fire. She is just a DIY homestead fantastic lady who just knows all about the stuff that we talk about. It's really a pleasure because um, you know you want to learn from somebody who's actually doing it, and Melissa's actually doing it. So, And she has a brand new book out, and that was one of the things I got ready. It's called The Made from Scratch Life. It's actually almost out. Yes. So it'll be out shortly, and we're going to talk about that. Oh, you have the paper copy. <laughs> yes, I got those early. Yay, they came right, right before Christmas, which was really exciting. Fantastic. So that's a little bit about Melissa. If you, if you can't tell already, I love Melissa, and we share a lot of things in common. So this is going to be great. So now I want to turn the microphone over to you, Melissa, just to give us a quick introduction to more about you and your family and your interests and what you do. Sure. Well, as Wardy said, I'm Melissa K. Norris, and I write at MelissaKNorris.com, where I inspire, inspire people's faith and pioneer roots. So it is very much a modern homesteading, embracing the traditional skills of our forefathers. You know, my dad actually was raised during the Great Depression, and a lot of those things was carried into my upbringing. So we've always raised our own meat, had our own livestock, our own garden. We've seed saved. My mom's always canned. And I really thought that that was things that everybody did. And it wasn't until I got older as an adult that I realized that a lot of people want to learn those skills, but they weren't things that their family practiced. And so they don't have anybody to teach them. And like Wardy um, does the traditional cooking, which I loved. I learned all about sourdough from Miss Wardy. Um, you know, if we don't have someone to teach us nowadays, the internet is really a blessing in so many ways because we can learn this, these skills that we want to know before they're lost. And so that's what my goal is. And then also I am a Christian. And so mine is not only teaching you the skills, but I also show share my faith and hope because I believe that those are very intertwined and I can't really do one without the other. So that's why I say inspiring your faith and pioneer roots with it. And really, if we look back at the pioneers, I don't know how you would get through the things that they did without faith. So we definitely do modern homesteading and all those kind of things, but we're, I'm a little bit different because mine um, has a a faith twist as well, so to speak. So my family and I, I'm married. My husband and I have been married for 17 years, um, which you actually can guess my age because I got married. We got married when I was 18. He was a little bit older than I was. We've got two kids and we live <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest um, in the foothills of the North Cascade Mountains. And we have our own homestead here. We have almost 15 acres, 14.96, which is kind of goofy. That's the way the property is up here. And we are... I say fourth generation homesteaders because my father was, my grandparents were, my great grandparents. Um, we act, my dad moved out here when he was a child with my great grandparents. They migrated um, in the early 1940s from North Carolina in the hills of Appalachia. So a lot of um, my skills and stuff actually hailed from that area. So that is um, a little bit about me. 
Love that. I do. I do love that you brought up how faith plays plays such a role because it does for me too. And I think that's why we get along so well. And I know so many of our audience feel the same way. There's a reason why we do what we do. We don't just do it to do it. I mean, why would we just do it to do it? There's a purpose and that plays out in so many different ways in so many different people's lives. So this isn't, this isn't about you have to do it Melissa's way or you have to do it Wardy's way. It's, it's, do you have a purpose for what you're doing and the choices you make? And so many of us for frugal reasons or getting more in touch with our creator have chosen to live more of a life made from scratch. Um, And that that's bigger than anything is the why we do it. So thank you for letting us get to know you better. Um, You shared some of your made from scratch roots already. So I love that. I, this is the know your food with Wardy podcast. So I did want to spend a little bit of time on food, even though, um, you know, you're into sourdough and you're into natural living and whole food ingredients, um, and gardening and so much more. I want to spend a little bit of time on the food aspect because I know it's probably the most com- the most common bond between everybody who's here. Yeah. And as I was browsing your book, um, the last couple of days, which I love. Oh, thank made you. Made from scratch life. The uh, food chapter. You started out with a healthcare story. Health, sorry, it's health scare story. Yes. About being on meds, having to give up foods, having to change. I was hoping you would share that story with everyone who's here because I think um, we can all learn a lot from it and it'll help us get to know you better. So would you do that? Yes, absolutely. So... Um, I do share that story. And so what happened, and I do want to just open up with a disclaimer that this is my story. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a dietitian. Yeah. I'm not a nutrition. So just want to put that out there. But I went in, I was on, I was taking two different medications for stomach ulcers and stomach acid. And the way that those worked, some of them had to be up to five times a day. I was taking these medicines because some needed to be taken on an empty stomach. Uh, they would coat the stomach and the ulcer area to act like a chemical bandaid. Others was from acid. And I was on the maximum amount that you could be on. And I was still having a lot of symptoms So I was actually referred to a specialist, which was kind of scary. I'm like, oh, my regular doctor is referring me to a specialist. That must mean that there's something really going on here. So I went into this specialist and they ordered to have the barium scope where you get to drink that really gross stuff and they knock you out and they put a camera down your throat and into your stomach. So I went in for that. And when... I went in, I didn't know what, I didn't realize it at the time, but they took biopsies of my esophagus and my upper stomach, obviously to test for cancer cells. And I was only 29. My daughter at that time was less, was just barely a year old. And that really scared me. You know, I was 29 years old and they were testing for cancer. So thankfully, praise the Lord, the biopsies came back as not cancerous, but I had cellular change on my esophagus and in my upper stomach. And so when you start to have cell change, then that means that you are a more likely candidate to get cancer because cancer likes um, the acidic environment from all the acids. So the specialist said, I want to see you get off all of the medication, which I think was fabulous. I was really excited to hear that, but I could hardly function with all of the medication. And so I honestly was really frustrated because I thought if I can't even function taking this medicine, how on earth am I going to survive without this medicine? Right. So he gave, right, right. 
great. So he gave me a list of foods to cut out. And I will be the first to tell you, I am a Northwest girl and I love my coffee. We have a stand on every <laughs> corner here, even in my little, little tiny town where we don't even have, you know, like a drive through There's not um, stoplights. We still have two espresso stands. So... I was like, I'm not giving up my coffee. And then chocolate, they wanted me to give up chocolate and they wanted, you know, all of these foods they wanted me to give up. And I, part of me wanted to rebel and say no, but the other part of me wanted to be here for my kids and for my family. And I was not, um, you know, I was in pain all the time from this acid and this burning. I couldn't sleep at night. And so I thought I'm going to give this a shot. I've tried the medicine and it's not helping. It's not really doing anything for me. I'm going to do this. And so I, you know, I prayed about it because I was not doing it without the Lord's help. And so we, that was when I began totally revamping all of our food. And I got really serious about cutting out we already did grow a lot of our own food in Canada, but I got really serious about cutting out genetically modified foods, high fructose corn syrup, yeah. food dye, soda pop, just all those things that had kind of snuck in. And I just didn't realize when you add them all up, wh- how it was affecting my health. So we, we did, I cut out all of that and I found some, some things I just didn't ever replace. I didn't ever replace soda pop. That was one thing. Soda. Yes pop. I just didn't replace it. I know that there was um, versions that are made with cane sugar and not high fructose corn syrup, but that was just something that I decided I was not going to replace for me. And that was really hard because I was a huge diet soda drinker. I would have at least two a day, which was part of my problem, but I really did enjoy pop. And so for those of you, if you're on that journey and you're like, well, there's just, I just don't feel that I can give it up. It I'm not going to lie. It was hard, but it's definitely doable and I don't miss it. And I, you know, I have no desire to start drinking it again. So that was kind of, I love how, if I could interrupt for a moment, I love how in the story, when you were talking about giving up soda, how, I mean, I could feel your pain because I could just really tell how you wrote it, that that was really, really hard for you to give up. But now all these years later, you've come so far, you've healed off meds and you say, you don't even want to go there because it was so hard to get where you are. You don't want to undo all that work and slide back. And so that's just a choice that you've made, you know, cold Turkey. I am not having it. And I want to applaud you for that. Cause I think, you know, we can replace a lot of things when we clean up our diet, you know, we can find a better way to make macaroni and cheese and we can get better chocolate and better coffee and things like that. Soda for you was like, there's no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And we have to make tough calls like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that really Thank spoke you. to me. Oh, good. Yeah. And I have to tell you guys for the, for the coffee, because I'm like, okay, I gave up the soda pop board. I don't know if I can go without coffee. Um, I actually did. This some is a really research. good tip. Yes. And I hope some of you, if you are my, you know, listeners and listen to my podcast that you've probably heard me mention this on Periscope and stuff, but cold brew coffee, which is commonly referred to as toddy. So if you ever go through an espresso stand, yeah. um, if you see toddy, it means it's cold brewed. So this is the coffee grounds and it's a coarser ground than what you would put in your regular coffee maker. So it's coarse coffee grounds and you pour cold water on top of these coarse coffee grounds and you let it brew, just sit out on the counter room temperature for 24 hours. 
and then you strain it. So actually, Toddy is a brand um, of a company that makes um, this great little, it has a filter and a carafe, and it just does all the stuff to do it. You can do it at home if you want. I know people have strained it through cheesecloth or whatever kind of filter system that you might have so you don't have the grounds. And then after you have strained it, then you can keep it in the fridge for up to two weeks. And you then you may reheat it after it's already brewed. So you can still have it as hot coffee. But the beautiful thing is because it's done with cold water, you don't have it's 67% less acid than regular coffee because the hot water pulls those oils and the fats out and that's where a lot of the acid is but the cold water doesn't which is why it takes longer to brew and it's a little bit less caffeine just a little bit not a whole lot there is a little bit less caffeine but for me that has been the alternative that has worked so that I can still have coffee and, but it doesn't cause the upset stomach and the acid and all of that. So if any of you, um, and then it's great too, because you can make iced coffee at home. So you've already got your coffee that's in the fridge and it's cold. And it's kind of one of those, yeah, it's just ready to go. So in the summertime, it works out perfect. Cause then you can just have iced coffee like that. So that is one of my tips. And one of the really big things that I discovered and made it um, possible for me to still have some coffee. So I hope if anybody needs that tip, give it a try. You will, you will enjoy it. Well, I had never heard that before, and I, my ears really perked up um, when I read that in your book because I thought, oh, you know, acid is a problem with coffee, and here is a possible solution for people because coffee is kind of controversial. You've got all these studies saying it's good for you. You've got all these studies saying it's bad for you. People have to make a choice. So maybe for someone who's got acid reflux and kind of, you know, real in the, in the painful digestive issues you were dealing with um, that doesn't want to give coffee or believes that coffee is good for them a cup a day or whatever that may solve it for them. So, you know, personally, I made a note of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been really good. And I do want to bring up too, you know, I love, Wardy, you've mentioned this and, and I do talk about it in the book as well, but food can become a religion for us yeah. if we're not careful. And while I do believe in whole foods and eating foods as close to possible as God has made them, we also have to be careful that we don't let that become our idol, so to speak, and that we don't offend people because I was so excited about all of this when I first found and made was making these transformations and seeing these amazing, you know, benefits yeah. and stuff to my health and my family's that I would really get on, especially my mom, my poor mom, I would really get on her about her food choices. And I probably did it in a way that wasn't as kind as it should have been. So having grace when it comes to food and even when we're trying to help people, making sure we do it with grace and kindness and not being judgmental because I tend to do that sometimes <laughs> just if we're being honest. I think that's really important as we're on our, as on our journey is to make sure, you know, not everybody's on the same step as we are and not everybody is going to make the same choice we are and that doesn't necessarily right. make them wrong and us right. So I just yeah. want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And that brings me to something I want to talk about in your book, um, because, okay, look, let me just tell everybody, there is just, I think, seven or eight simple chapters, and they're one word chapters like grow, harvest, food, clean. I mean, they're verbs. Would you say they're verbs? And they're yes. verbs that are highly... Um, highly specific to the kind of lifestyle we live. There's even one, oh, well, livestock is not a verb, but there's a ch chapter called livestock. And where you might go to, you might have other homesteading books on your shelf, like 
the Encyclopedia of Country Living or Backyard Homestead or whatever. You pick them up, they're full of all these tips and recipes and whatnot. Melissa has that. But every chapter, she starts out with a story like the one we just shared about the um, being on all the meds for her heartburn and just the burning and everything. And then if you were on my email list, you heard the green bean story from yesterday, which I'm going to ask Melissa to share. So every single chapter, every one of these verb chapters plus livestock starts with this story and she wraps it up with a faith lesson. And the food one in particular, she shares her health scare and she wraps it up with saying, you know, food should not be an idol. And the grace and the kindness comes into that. And I simply love that because every, you start out every chapter with um, a very personal story to help us get to know you and love you and a lesson that we can apply to our own lives. And then you have these very simple tips and recipes to help us, you know, do it in our lives. And I have another point about that I'm going to make later. Um, But I want to commend you on that. That really makes your book special. It makes it really fun to read. Uh, I just love it. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I did. I do share stories. So it's kind of like you said, it's kind of a manual and a how to. um, Yeah. And then slash with, yes, stories. And some of them are very personable and really real. And overall, I hope that it, that they are the message of hope. And some of them are kind of humorous, especially the the livestock story. I I talk about chasing one of our hens with a bed sheet in my pajamas in the front yard. Yeah, that was too funny. (laughs) And also, I mean, about serious things like coyotes and, you know, saving your livestock from danger. And like, I think you said at one point that those those chickens or those hens have no idea what we do for them. Yes. (laughs) Right? To protect them. Very true. They don't. They don't have a clue, which is okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the the cleaning chapter a little bit. I just thought it was amazing um, because, you know, sometimes we, unless I have fallen into this, I learned something about oven cleaning from your book. So it's like, this oven is so bad. I cannot possibly clean it with like, you know, the natural stuff I have in my house. It's just Mm. not going to happen. But I'm seriously inspired by the tips in your book that I'm going to tackle our oven this weekend. And without giving it all away, because, of course, we do want people to get your book. um, I think that, though, you could share a little bit behind the two ingredients that you can use for your whole house. Could you talk a little bit about those? Oh, absolutely. So the the two ingredients, and this is something that everybody has in their kitchen. And it's not a big secret, but it's vinegar. And baking soda. And literally, you can clean everything in your house with those. I mean, there's some things that you can add. It's so cheap. It's so frugal. Oh, my goodness. And they work better. I Seriously, for scouring your sinks and cleaning your oven, when I switched to using the baking soda and the vinegar, they were cleaner and I didn't have to scrub as much. I mean, baking soda gets soap scum up like nobody's business. And we're on our own. We have our own well here. We're on well water and it's actually high in iron content. And so it's pretty, and it's hard water and the baking soda just cuts through it. So you're, you know, everything is just sparkly, which I love. And it doesn't have any of those chemicals. And like, again, we are on our own well water. So whatever I'm flushing back into our septic is then going into our ground. And so I want to make sure that I'm keeping that as contaminant free as possible. So you know, baking soda and vinegar, obviously we can eat those. I don't have to worry if my kids were to get into my cleaning cupboard, you know, or anything like that. So those two ingredients, you can clean everything yeah. in your house. Yeah. 
It's fantastic. I love it. Like I said, I'm inspired. I'm going to attack my attack my oven the way you said to attack it. Oh yay! Um, okay, you'll have to let me know. I will. I will give you what it does. You. Um, Depending upon its level of dirty, which mine is usually quite dirty because I don't clean as often as I should, um, you may, you'll have to probably, um, I will use the baking soda. And then once it turns all the way brown, because it it's getting all the stuff up and it's absorbing the grease, then I'll have to put a little bit more down and, and scrub. So there is some scrubbing action, yeah. but I figure I'm getting like my, not necessarily my weight training in, but you know, I'm getting some good arm action in for the day. <laughs> totally, totally. And I do love the tip you said, because I was not aware of this. I use a baking soda paste a lot, but... You convinced me to try doing dry baking soda more often because you said it's more absorbent. Is that right? Yeah, it works better for me. I did try, first time I tried was on, and so we're specifically talking about your oven here. So your cooking oven. Or anything, but yeah. Or anything, yeah, (laughs) right now. And so I had tried the baking soda paste where you would mix it with water and make a paste. And that just didn't seem to get the really stuck on icky stuff up for me. And then of course I tried where you pour vinegar on it and it makes this great foaming action, which the kids thought was so much fun. But I found that all that was doing was a lot of foaming, but I didn't really feel that it was pulling up a whole lot of the Mm. cooked on and the grease and stuff. So I actually first had a pan that we had cooked fish in and I'd gotten like burnt stuff um, in it. It was a glass pirate's baking dish and I couldn't, I let it soaked and I let it soak and I couldn't get everything out. And I had some baking soda just sitting on the counter. And normally with our cast iron pans, cause I primarily use just um, all cast iron as far as my Dutch ovens and my skillets. And I have a couple glass baking dishes And I will use salt instead of soap on my cast iron. And so salt works great at being as scrubby and getting everything up. And I thought, I'm going to try this baking soda dry and just see if it'll scrub it up. And it took, I had scrubbed this pan for like two days. (laughs) And so the baking soda dry just absorbed the grease and it was more abrasive, but not enough that it doesn't scratch or harm anything because they're such small granules. And it just took it right up. And then I looked at my oven door that was open and I'm like, I wonder... And it did. The dry worked way better for me than the paste. So I, yeah, dry baking soda is my go-to for on stuff. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So I mentioned a little bit ago that I would ask you about the green bean story because I shared it in my email yesterday to invite all the traditional cooking school subscribers to join us today. And you wouldn't believe the response I get that really resonated with people. So I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about organic gardening. I mean, heirloom seeds in particular, but also just this idea that things you make yourself, not, I mean, okay, let me qualify that a little bit because when I try to do something the first time, it usually doesn't work out. But if you work at something you very likely can achieve a homemade product that is a hundred times better than anything you could buy. And that's what this story in particular exemplifies. So will you give us the green bean story? I just want to document it (laughs) with your face and your voice and everything because it was such a hit yesterday in the email. Yes. Yeah. So this is a funny story. My poor husband, he's on board with me sharing it. Obviously it's in the book, so we're good, but we never get to see a picture of him, but he's in the book and on the blog. (laughs) Bless his heart. He is very, very private, which is funny because not that I'm not private, but I just always, I I noticed, um, when, like what he mentioned, we actually got to meet in person, which was so much fun. And her husband was there and I noticed I was actually drawing similarities between him and my husband. So yeah. My, my husband, I just always laugh and say when we first met, he, I just kept on talking. I never gave him a chance to say no because I'm <laughs> social and chatty and he's not. But it's a very, it's a good balance. So 
yeah, he's very private. He doesn't let me put his picture up on the blog very much, but I do get to talk about him in the book. So when we were first dating, um, he came up to have meet my parents and have his first dinner with my parents and my family. And it was in the middle of summertime. And my family has always grown. It's our own strain of heirloom. We call them Tar Heel Pole Green Beans because my grandparents bought the brought the seeds with them from North Carolina. So they've just always seed saved them to plant the next year. We've never purchased them from the store and which is the beauty of heirloom seeds. And I love heirloom seeds, you guys. So there's lots about that in there. They're just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So we have always planted them. So I, those were the green beans that I grew up with. And so if I ever went to a restaurant when I was little or at someone else's home and had green beans that were store-bought or, you know, not those kind, they just never tasted as good to me. They just didn't have the same flavor. I didn't really care for them. I've always noticed a difference. And so my husband, I knew we'd been dating long enough. We went out to dinner and stuff a few times that he didn't like green beans. So I, I knew they didn't like green beans. Well, it was summertime and we're very proud of our green beans, I have to tell you, up here. <laughs> and so, of course. So my be. mom, bless her heart, she cooked a big old pot of these green beans. And so he was being, you know, very polite. And so he took a small spoonful on his plate as we're all eating and and he ate them. And I thought, oh, well, that's good. You know, he's, you know, he just doesn't want to offend my mom and tell her doesn't like green beans. So she got up to go, I believe it was to get dessert, actually. And he picks up. Yeah, That's she goes to said. get dessert. He picks up the pot of green beans for seconds. And on my head, I'm thinking, oh, he's really trying to impress mom and dad, right? And so I whisper to him, I'm like, you don't have to have seconds. It's okay, you know, because mom had left the room. And he's like, I don't like green beans, but I love these. And so it's so funny. And I'm like, okay. So we, um, you know, then we got, we got married and every year we've grown them and he loves them. He won't eat any other kind of green beans, but he loves he loves this strain of green beans. So it's so funny because, yeah, it's one of our favorite dating stories. <laughs> but even so with my kids, so we've always had these green beans, always can enough to last us the whole year, usually about 65 pints so that we have um, enough for the entire year. And so my kids, if we, you know, occasionally go out to a restaurant or they're, you know, at somewhere else and they had the green beans, if they're not the Tar Heel green beans, they don't like them. And it's one of whenever we grow the vegetables ourselves, and I think it's because they have a hand in helping to grow the food, and they get to see it yeah. from start to finish, and they have some pride in that and accomplishment. I have a much easier time getting them to eat the vegetables that we grow ourselves at home than getting them to eat vegetables from the store, even if they're the same thing. So I I really think that there is a flavor difference for sure. And there's also a nutrient difference. The things that we grow at home because we've picked it right then and there, it's not been off the vine because normally we pick it and bring it in and then eat it actually has more nutrients and stuff in it than store-bought versions, which... Mm-hmm. And then there's the pride yes, of ownership. Yeah. So if you have trouble getting your kids to eat their vegetables, if you let them help in the garden or have their own little patch, it has worked like a charm for us. So I highly recommend it. <laughs> no, I think it works for most most people. Of course, there's always exceptions, but I think most children will be more inclined to eat their veggies or eat anything that they didn't like care for if they actually had a hand in preparing it. Yeah. So it's fantastic. Um, that's one thing that I love. Yes, and Sky Blue Annie is echoing that in the comments. She's saying kids helping in the garden almost guarantees they'll yes. at least try them. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> and I forgot what I was going to say, but it must not have been that. Okay. So, so <laughs> I think it's time. To, I know, right? 
it was, I was probably just going to repeat myself anyway. <clears throat> so I want to talk specifically about your book um, now. <clears throat> I want to repeat a comment I've made already, though, because I think it bears repeating. Here it is again. Um, made from scratch, The Made from Scratch Life by Melissa K. Norris. And currently um, it's available for pre-order. It's not quite out yet, but if you order between now and February 8th on Amazon, you can use this link, tradcookschool.com slash scratch bonus. I'll have a link there. And Melissa's giving, Melissa and her publisher are giving $38 worth of bonuses. So it's a really fantastic deal. The book is actually not very expensive. And I think the print version is less expensive yes. than the Kindle, yes. which is shocking. So anyway, all the bonuses and the book info is at that link that I just put in the chat. It'll of course be at the show notes if you're listening to this podcast when it's released on iTunes, tradcookschool.com slash scratch bonus or knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash scratch bonus. So um, what I want to point out about the book is I love its simplicity. And I'd like you to talk about it a little bit, Melissa, because there's, there's a lot of homesteading and DIY books on the market. Some of them, like the Encyclopedia of Country Living, is like this thick, teeny tiny little print. Um, it's absolutely overwhelming. <clears throat> What you've done in seven or eight chapters that just have those verb themes that I mentioned before, in addition to livestock, is you've given us a story, life's lesson, a point about faith to give us a why. And then you launch into very practical tips, but they're so simple. They make it seem like you're not completely changing your life. It makes it seem like, oh, I can do that. I mean, it's something you've never done before. You think, oh, I can do that. That looks like a great recipe. That's a great tip. I can do it today. Um, so I would like you to reflect a little bit on um, how you chose what to share to help people implement this made from scratch life because you did it in such a simple way that I feel like it's within anybody's reach who has a heart to do it. Can you just talk about yes. that a little I'm bit? I'm so glad that you filled that because that was my intent when I was writing it. So with a little bit, so my husband and I, we, we have a homestead. And like I said, we raise all of our own meat. I don't, we, I do still buy some vegetables and some products from the store. I don't, if I don't have them all canned up, but we raise, we have our own grass fed beef. So we have a small herd of that. We raise our own pork. We raise and butcher our own meat chickens. And then I've got my laying hens. So we don't really purchase any meat from the store. And then my husband got his first deer this year, which was awesome. So we have our own venison too, which we actually got on our, in our field, which was fabulous. So it can still say it was all on our own land. Yeah. But I, yeah, it was really exciting. But I, I preface that with this is to say that my husband and I both still work day jobs. So he works a full 40, sometimes 50 hours a week, and he commutes back and forth to work about 18 miles one way. I work about 25 to 29 hours a week as a pharmacy technician is my day job um, in a town that's 18 miles away. So when we do all this, this is still with us both working. And so I feel like a lot of times that when you are still working or if you're really, you know, you're homeschooling and you've got a really busy schedule with your kids or whatever your circumstances are, I wanted people to know that they can do this with a full busy schedule, that it's still possible. Cause I think a lot of times people look at all of those steps when you see people who are doing it fully and that aren't working and that's their whole life. And they think, well, there's no way I, you know, I'm putting in 40 hours a week. I can't do everything that they're doing on the level yeah. that they're doing. So <laughs> I wanted them to realize that we're still, we do all of this. And then plus with the website and the blog, we, so you can do this too. If I can do this with doing all this, so can you guys. So I just broke it down each chapter in the very practical steps that we're following and that we've implemented and that we've done. So 
and that was, you know, in each chapter. So I, I broke it down and it was the, the first things that we learned when We lost your video feed, Melissa. If you can still hear this, can you just try connecting again? I think you will. So while Melissa is um, coming back on, we'll hope she's back on, uh, we have a question in the comments. Deer is much more tasty than chicken, says uh, Alex is curious. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by that question, Alex, but I think you mean maybe about the taste. Deer is wild. Uh, meat, it does have a stronger taste. It's not necessarily as tender. Chicken is very, um, well, unless you're raising a heritage breed. But let me answer Melissa. She's saying she's locked out. Um, oh, here she's back. So unless you're raising a heritage breed of chicken, the chicken is going to tend to be more mild and bland. The deer is going to have a stronger wild gamey flavor. Uh, so you'd want to choose tried and true recipes around deer and also slow cooked methods that would render it more tender because it can tend to be on the tough side. But deer is delicious, as is, um, you know, similar wild game like elk, for instance. And I see Melissa is trying to connect here. So I hope that was helpful, Alex. Um, okay. So I'm just waiting for Melissa to come back on here. What can I say? Does anybody else have any other questions? Um, I don't have an answer for your question, Sky Blue Annie. What is the minimum acreage for raising your own beef? Um, hopefully Melissa will be able to when she gets back on. I'll just continue with this and show you that if you go to that link I mentioned, tradcookschool.com slash scratch bonus, you'll see the bonus package. And there are... Um, Bonus is worth $38. <clears throat> I'm going to name them really quick. First is 30 Days to Preparedness. Um, it's this digital e-guide right here. It's a 30-day kind of program to lead you to building up a home, food, storage, and pantry. Common mistakes to avoid, and most importantly, how to preserve your own food. So it's a really valuable resource so you can build up your um, emergency stores if you're interested in self-sufficient life or you just want to... Um, plan ahead in case of any kind of disaster. You also get the companion guide and workbook to the Made From Scratch Life uh, book. And it's got worksheets for, this is not wide enough, worksheets for pantry inventories, a meal planning chart, root cellar storage chart, sample menu plans, easy ingredient and substitution lists, equivalent charts, all kinds of things. Um, you get a fast track e-course that's a five-day plan for the Made From Scratch um, Life book. So she's just giving like this five-day e-course to really, you know, plow through it and get it real in your life. And finally, I guess her publisher just added a new bonus, which is the Amish canning cookbook, which is right here. So it's all kinds of helps for canning if you do that. So uh, once again, the link to check out um, all the bonuses, if you pre-order before February, well, and through February 8th, which is Monday, is tradcookschool.com slash scratch bonus. And I've put that in the chat. Melissa, um, I think maybe try to disconnect and come on again. If it's just not coming on, I had to do that earlier. The other thing is look in your browser in case there's a video. Um, there's a button in next to the browser URL bar. 
that was grayed out for me. I had to click on that and then allow Blab to use my camera and microphone. Maybe you have to do that again. So why don't you give that a try? Um, Sarah, or sorry, Sarcastra J9 says she's already pre-ordered. The 30-day guide is amazing. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, let's see if there's any other comments. Alex is curious, says it's in the Bible to raise your own meat. <laughs> That's a great comment. Yes, I think a lot of us believe that, um, you know, through our faith, we've learned that to do what we can. And for some of us, that is raising our own food. Aunt Nettie says it's worth it. Maybe about raising your own beef, raising your own meat. All right, everyone, I'm just going to wrap this up with a couple reminders since we can't get Melissa back on. So once again, you can get more from Melissa at melissaknorris.com. If you're interested in her new book, pre-order it. Please do pre-order it because it comes with $38 of bonuses at tradcookschool.com slash scratch bonus. All the info is there and also a link to Amazon so that you can order it either on Kindle or paperback, whatever is your preference. And um, the show notes are going to be available for you when this podcast is released on iTunes. And that will be at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 146. Thank you everyone for being here. And thank you, Melissa. And I'm going to say hi, um, goodbye from Melissa since she's not here. I know she would love to be here and telling you all goodbye. And she would love to be telling you all thank you for coming. We've had a great, great um, chat. And I hope you love Melissa as much as I do and that you check out her book. And if you can't get her book for whatever reason or it's just not right for you, that's totally fine. But definitely follow her. Uh, her blog is inspiring. And if you're a member of Traditional Cooking School, of course, you can learn from her in our Cooking Outside eCourse because she's a guest teacher doing smoking and cooking over an open fire. Fabulous, fabulous lessons that if you haven't checked out already, please do so. The other thing is at the show notes, um, I'm going to include a link because Remember, Melissa was talking about those Tar Heel green beans. Well, she gave us a um, she gave us an article on growing green beans, and she also gave us an article on doing um, was it called a water pack canning method of the green beans. And both of those articles are at Traditional Cooking School for you. So they'll be there for you during green bean season. Or if you're curious right now, you can check them out. And once again, I'll include them in the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com/slash one four six. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again very soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then, without a space, type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air, so go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that other people will find this podcast. Thank you so much.